Welcome to episode 26 of the GameBots podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about How to Train Your Dragon 3, the Netflix documentary, Abducted in Plain Sight. Christian saw Fighting with My Family, I Platinumed Gravity Rush 3, and then in video game news, they have listed the PlayStation Plus in Games with Gold lineup, and then also Sonic has uh, finally got his his image for his movie, and there has been some more drama about Netflix and the Oscars. But first, Christian, this week you saw How to Train Your Dragon 3. How did you like it? I loved it quite a lot. So have you seen, I'm, I'm guessing you have seen the first two in this. Yes, indeed. So are you a fan of the series? Oh yeah, this is one of my favorites. It's uh, it, And it has been, honestly, since before I saw the first movie. So I I used to have to go in and clean all of the theaters after everything all after all the people had left and I fell in love with the music of the first movie just from what played during the credits while I was cleaning and yeah it really held up after I watched it and now two movies later it still holds up. So what was the third one about? So the third one was kind of a direct sequel to the second it's uh, a structure that I really like where the first movie is kind of self-contained. It's It tells one story, and then if you want a, a greater story, you have to watch all of them. So the, the trilogy itself then tells one story on top of everything else. So in the, the second one, they introduce the uh, dragon hunters and capturers, and then this one expands on that. So there's one dragon hunter who's life goal it is is to kill all of the night furies and it seems like toothless is the last one and so he's hunting them and they're running away and and trying to regroup and find out a plan so uh there's been a couple animated trilogies of the ben alher there's despicable me you have the hotel transylvania series you have kung fu panda you got the madagascar series how do you think this ranks in comparison to those best by far Really? Yeah. Why do you say that? I like the Despicable Me's. I hate the Minions. They drive me absolutely crazy, the fact that they're everywhere. The, the fact that they made a cameo in the Mortal Engines movie drove me up a wall. Um, uh, Yeah, so that, that taints that whole series for me. Um, The Toy Stories I've never been a big fan of, and I think part of the reason is because of How to Train Your Dragon. Toy Story 3 beat the first How to Train Your Dragon for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars, and so that made me real unhappy. I, I Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what it is exactly. I just, I really connect with these movies. They're, they're much more emotional for me than any of the other ones. So animated movies like this generally have a pretty good cast. How was the cast on this one, and did everyone from the prior movies um, reprise their role? Everybody's really good. Um, Jay Baruchel plays the lead. He plays... Hiccup. Uh, America Ferreira plays Astrid. They were both originals. There's cameos. I, I mean, not really cameos, but there's uh, small parts for Gerard Butler, who is I mean, spoilers for the earlier movies in the series, but there's bit parts for Gerard Butler who is killed in the second movie. Uh, he appears in flashbacks and, and things. Kate Blanchett actually plays the mother, which I had forgotten. Uh, from the second movie, so that was that was a surprise for me, even though I, I knew it once. So, basically, everybody came back from the originals except T.J. Miller, 
who plays one of the twins. Uh, I couldn't find anything definitive on why he didn't come back, but my guess is because he threatened to blow up a train last year. Yeah, I know he's had some issues lately because he uh, he had some outlandish statements that I think has negatively impacted his star power, uh, even really over the past couple years. Cause, because I remember when Deadpool 2 came out, it was, I wouldn't say a scandal, but it was a sl- like a mini-controversy or I guess maybe even just a surprise that he was still in it, but I have not been paying attention as to what caused so much backlash against him. Yeah, Deadpool 2 had come out, I think, like a month after the the train incident where he had gone through a bad breakup or something, and he called in like a fake bomb threat to a train that his ex-girlfriend was on. And so nobody was really sure if he was going to reprise his role, but I guess at that point it was, I mean, it was done. It was like a month later. DreamWorks did not elect to bring TJ Miller back for How to Train Your Dragon 3. He was replaced as the voice actor. I'm I'm not 100% sure who the voice actor was, but whoever it was, they did a great job. They sounded just like him. I, I can see why DreamWorks wouldn't bring him back. I feel like it would cause more of a controversy to bring him back than not. I mean, coming in a fake bombing on a train, I think, is pretty much generally condemned by people. <laughs> I, I don't see a ton of people sticking up for him doing that. Yeah, he had a wild year last year. Yeah. Uh, so how did this do on Rotten Tomatoes in the box office? Uh, so its its budget was $129 million, which is, you know, pretty standard for an animated feature. Uh, its box office, it was number one in the week. It made $74 million. So it's a little over right. halfway to its budget. Was so I'm sure in the ensuing weeks and in the international market, it'll definitely pick up. So it'll definitely make its money back. Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 91%. The audience scores at a 98. And that's, I mean, that's, you can't really get any higher, but I would put it higher. Yeah, so I've, I saw the first one of this series a while ago, and then we hung out a little bit this weekend, and we were, you guys were talking about it, and you guys talking about this movie has made me want to go back and actually rewatch this trilogy because it's a real blind spot for me. I usually try and see as many of these animated movies and especially like the DreamWorks stuff as I can, but I just never got around to this one. So I, I really do want to check these out now. Yeah, it is outstanding. And like I said, I love the first one so much. I never thought that this one, I never thought that any of them were going to do better than the original, but I think this is my favorite of the three. Hmm. Well, awesome. This past week, I watched the true crime documentary, Abducted in Plain Sight, which was released on Netflix uh, this year. I gotta say, Christian, I normally don't like true crime stuff, and this was an enthralling movie. But man, it was a movie of me just, or not not even a movie, it's a documentary. This really happened. This was a story where I was exasperated for everyone involved because it was so ridiculous. So, a little background on Abducted in Plain Sight. Uh, this documentary follows the kidnapping of Jan Felt, and this occurred in um, the 1970s. And so she was, I think, 11 at the time. She was kidnapped by her neighbor who had befriended her parents, and then he essentially lied his way and blackmailed the parents 
to have nothing happen on the first kidnapping, he then kidnapped her again and took her down to Mexico. Good and Lord. yeah, and maybe I'm getting confused that he went to Mexico the first time, but I think the second time he went to Mexico, got arrested again, never faced serious jail time. And this was just a story of a lot of incompetence and it ruined this girl's life. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, so so just to give a quick background on this story, because it's hard to talk about it without doing it. So this girl's 11. It was a family friend who abducted her. They were neighbors. He essentially ingratiated himself into their family. He started a homosexual relationship with her dad and started like a flirting heterosexual relationship with her mom. And because he was trying to knock down the dominoes to get to her. And eventually, then one day, said he would take her to a horse driving lesson, kidnapped her, like tied her up in a camper, and then convinced her with like a uh, a recording that aliens were talking to her and that she had to have sex with him to bear a child um, to save the world or else aliens were going to come and destroy the world. And she was 11 at this time and very, very drugged and believed it. But when she was kidnapped, her parents waited four days to call it in, which is insane to do. Yeah, this is a roller coaster. Yeah. And so once the police finally find out where she is, they get her, they bring her back. This guy's claiming, you know, I didn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. He gets the parents to drop the the case. Well, not they couldn't drop the case because it was the state's case against him for kidnapping. He gets them to drop their testimony because they don't want to be blackmailed for having essentially a homosexual relationship with him, like because it would ruin his business in the 70s. I think they were in Utah, probably very looked down upon. So they drop the lawsuit and this they end up inviting this guy back into their house. They don't like him, but then the mom ends up having a full-blown affair with him and he uses that as leverage. And then once he kidnaps her again, the family waits two weeks to call the FBI a second time. My God. And I'm sitting there watching this movie, Christian, and I'm just like, you people are so stupid. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's things in this movie that they're saying before he kidnapped her, they were letting him do. They were letting him sleep in her room with her because he said his psychologist said it would help him. And all this just insane stuff and this whole time you're just getting so mad and this poor girl goes from 11 to 16 this goes on it's a five-year ordeal thinking that the world's going to end if she doesn't bear a child to him by she turns a certain age it really messes with you know her life especially in her formative years and it's just so it's a crazy documentary and i highly suggest anyone who likes true crime stuff to check it out but it was infuriating to watch like i just wanted to slap everyone in that thing well not everyone but i wanted to slap the parents um because they were they handled this so stupidly and they put it seems like their own needs and their fear of how the community would perceive them over the safety of their of their daughter yeah i've seen this making the rounds on social media on especially on twitter as kind of like the next Firefest documentary in terms of just how like bananas it is from cover to cover. I've been meaning to to watch it. I'm gonna have to now. Yeah, it's it's 
it's hard to say this is a good documentary because so much bad stuff happened to this poor girl, but it is a well done and interesting documentary. And what's what's very unfortunate is the guy who perpetrated it, I cannot remember his name, but the neighbor, he got really nothing. He got a couple months in a psych institute or something like that because he claimed insanity. And then it turns out over the years he molested maybe five to ten other girls and at most he faced one year of prison time. Good lord. Ended up uh, getting caught later in life once they started bringing more attention to it uh, by a book. And then he tried to claim that they were making all this money off of a book and it was lies. They got a restraining order. He, Yeah, it's he ended up dying because he was... Yeah, his, he started stalking her and that dr- directly ended up resulting in his death. Um, but he is a... Oh, he, he was a despicable person. And this is a movie you have to watch... I think just to say, if you ever have kids, this is not this is what you do not do with neighbors, with other adults around your children. If your kids, God forbid, ever kidnapped, what not to do? <laughs> when you said somebody got a book deal and he he started complaining about it, I was I was waiting for you to say he was going to demand like royalties since it was his story. No, I think he tried to file a defamation lawsuit or something oh, wow. like that. He like made media rounds, and it's just like one of those things where why would a news network give this guy FaceTime? Like, do your research. Do not give airtime to this sexual predator to try and discredit his victims when they're bringing to light what he's done. Yeah. I mean, if you're really worried about it and you're like, oh, you need to show both sides of the story in this situation, maybe just don't show either. Like, don't don't give him a chance to go on there and spout nonsense. <laughs> this week, Christian, you also saw the movie Fighting With My Family. Uh, how was that one? I, I saw some previews for this and I thought it looked really interesting, but I have not gotten around to seeing it. It wasn't bad. I think I would have liked it a lot more if I was even just the smallest amount into wrestling, which I never really have been. Yeah, see, that's why it intrigued me is because I used to like wrestling a lot when I was like in elementary school. I watched some uh, some WWF, but mostly WCW when they were feuding in the 90s, which was, (laughs) I think, like the last time there was peak wrestling time because they were competing brands and everything. But since then, I've had a cursory interest where, like, I'll watch some documentaries about the old WWF guys like Randy Savage and Bret Hart and and all that. But I haven't really followed uh, it anymore. If they ever have, like, the WWE um, wrestling matches around here, I'll go to them if tickets are cheap just because it's kind of fun to do for, you know, three hours on a Friday or whatever. But not don't really follow it too much. Uh, so are there a lot of, what? what is the story of this one? So this follows a girl who's from kind of a backwater town in the UK. And she grew up in a wrestling family, or she grew up in a family that was obsessed with wrestling. And so her whole childhood and upbringing was all kind of centered around the WWE. And her and her brother then grew up wanting to join. So the the movie starts with them being accepted into the training program. And then she makes it and her brother doesn't to like the next round of training. So then it's 
the the movie then centers around the stories of her dealing with her family and her dealing with having to do this intensive training to join the WWE. So I saw Nick Frost is in this. Is he in it very much? Because I love him as an actor. Yeah, he's in about half of it. He plays her father. Okay, I wanted to mostly see this just seeing him alone because <laughs> I will see anything he's in. Yeah, so there's um, there's a few big names in this. He's he's the dad. Lena Headey, who plays Cersei on Game of Thrones, plays the mother. Um, the Rock is in this as himself, and Vince Vaughn is the trainer for the the uh, new recruits. Uh, so, do you know? I know you say you don't follow anymore, but were there any other wrestlers in it besides The Rock? Um, not really in any official capacity. It looked like they used a bunch of like stock footage of John Cena and a few other people. I I know I recognize John Cena. I I, I don't wouldn't really recognize anyone else. So was this um. Was this movie produced by the WWE or is this entirely original? Do you know that? Uh, well, it's based on a true story. Like the the yeah, but I I know the WWE has their own like um they like to fund their own their own movie, so I didn't know if this was one funded by them or this was just completely separate. Believe that it was. It it had the WWE logo in the beginning during like the titles. Okay. That would, I guess, make sense because I would find it hard for them to get access to people like The Rock on a, on a smaller budget <laughs> otherwise. So did you did you like the characters in this? Yeah, they most of them were compelling, if annoying. Like they, they definitely were very realistic in that they kept making terrible choices and doing stupid things. I was uh, I was not alone in the theater or I probably would have been screaming at them most of the time. Everyone was kind of being intentionally and uh, like over the top dense. So it, it was, it was a little rough in, in spots where you were just like, I can't believe these people are this dumb or I can't believe these people are this unaware. But I mean, I guess it, if it's a true story, then it's a true story. You, you got to tell it. Yeah. Well, I guess what could you give an instance of one thing you're talking about? Uh, the, well, when the brother doesn't get into the, doesn't get into like the second round of training, he goes on like a downward spiral because this was his entire life and he doesn't have anything else in his life. And it's like, at at this point he has a, a child and he, he says something like, what else do I have to live for? And I'm like, your child, man, like, come on. Uh, that's funny you say that because I totally agree with you and get your point, but I think it also points to the fanaticism that some people involved in the WWE are. I mean, a lot of these people, it's it's the choice of your family or your career, and a lot of them always had their career, and you see a lot of old wrestlers now, a lot of regret is they missed a lot of time with their kids because they're on the road so much. So I could, not not saying that it, I could totally see that happening to someone like that who is so into that lifestyle. Yeah, I just I can't imagine if if somebody was like <laughs> either you have to leave your home to pursue this sport that you like or you can stay there and get a normal job and be with your child. Like that's not even a question. Yeah, I I think for like 90% of the population they're <laughs> with you too. I just 
it takes a certain person to be in that lifestyle, you know. Um, so one big thing I was wondering is how do they treat wrestling as, you know, it's a predetermined story and everyone, you know, they know who's going to win beforehand. Is that explained upon? Because back in the day, it used to be huge secrets where they would try and keep it up at all costs. And I know in, in more recent times, they've gone away from that. So did they even address that at all in this one? A little bit, yeah. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I was a little curious to see what they were going to say about that, too. Because um, even in the trailer, somebody calls it fake and, and everyone's like, um, what? what? What do you mean? Um, so they they go... They basically say it's scripted but not fake in that, like, injuries actually do occur and it is an actual physical thing, which you can definitely see, at least in the training that they, they showed on screen. It's pretty intense. But in it's, yeah, everything is predetermined. They know who's going to win and who's going to lose before they go in. It's just a show, but it's a very intense show. Yeah, no, see, that's why I didn't want to say it was is fake, because I do know that the athleticism involved and the amount of just punishment these people put their bodies through is very real. But at the end of the day, it's not like the MMA or boxing where there's there's someone who could come in and anyone could win. It's it's this is all predetermined. So it's like I like to think of it as just very physical actors, you know, like they're really putting their bodies out there. So I'm I'm glad they at least address that in some way because it would I think it would be crazy for them to go through this and act like you know what in whatever time that John Cena is just beating everyone <laughs> everyone up <laughs> and that he's the best or what I know he's not the champion anymore but something like that you know it's scripted there's storylines to go through so it's good to see they at least acknowledge that yeah about about halfway through I started feeling like wrestling was just kind of like masculine gymnastics and i still kind of feel that way yeah i think everything surrounding wrestling tends to be way more interesting than wrestling itself in its own storyline <laughs> like when i'm bored at lunch or something i will put on old shoot video or not even old but just shoot uh wrestlers shooting on each other and their time and I, again i like to listen to the older guys from like the 90s 80s and 90s but I just think the business itself is ex insanely interesting and just all these stories where there's so much bad blood between people and just like the actual fights that happened behind the scenes to come out before they come out there and do that show. So I really would like to see this because I think that behind the scenes stuff is way more interesting than what actually goes on in the ring to me. Yeah, there's there's even like part of a training montage where instead of doing physical stuff, they're teaching the new people how to like... Uh how to like talk tough and and oh yeah well that's the thing that's your uh you have to be good on the mic or else you really don't get pushed yeah you, you they they were teaching them how to like hype up the crowd and like uh verbally attack each other and trash talk it was it was wild it was a, a strange movie for a, a strange cultural thing that i i never really understood and still kind of don't but if if you're into wrestling i think you'll really enjoy this movie yeah, I, I have a feeling it will, so I'm going to try and check this out at the very least when it comes out on uh, either Netflix or DVD or whatever. Uh, did you know that, I mean, it's based on a true story, but I think it's crazy. They like they finally have, or at least the WWE has finally, a few years ago, created basically a wrestling school for people to go down there and train because before you would have to do like independent circuits 
and then maybe you'll get called up to the big league so you can actually sort of learn how to do it now. Yeah, I think that's what they were in. They were it was called NXT was the the program that they were in to train. Okay. Yeah, NXT is like the that's that's for the newcomers in the WWE. They have that's another thing why I stopped watching. They just have too much now. They have Raw, they have uh NXT um they have SmackDown on Thursdays, where in every one of these pr- productions is like three hours. It's just way too much time to put into it anymore. But yeah, NXT is for the new guys, and apparently, at times it's supposed to be really good from what I've seen on the internet. And then they bring up these stars and generally just waste them in the main headlines of Raw or SmackDown. So, I I'm honestly really excited to check this movie out. <laughs> This past week, I platinumed the game Gravity Rush 2, and I gotta say, Christian, I know over our New Year's special, I had said that this is a hidden gem on the PlayStation 4, and I still stick by that with a little bit of an asterisk. Uh, I really enjoyed the main story of this game, and I thought it was awesome, but there are so many side quests in this game, that, and there's some grinding required for the game's currency that I think it really kills it going for the platinum. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. So I did not play this first game, but I I did find it really engaging. It's broken into three parts. In the first part, you're basically in this like tropical island area. And so in this game, the special mechanic is you control gravity. So you can hit R1, and then you kind of pick where you want to go and you have full range of motion. And instead of flying, it's like you're falling that way. So it's not as smooth of control as if you're flying something in other games, but it's still really cool uh, the amount of control you have. You can pick up stuff in a stasis field to throw them. You can kind of glide along the ground with gravity and you can get different styles where either you're lighter or you're heavier. And there's some cool mechanics with that. So in the first level, you're on these tropical-like islands, but they're all floating islands, so you can go above and around the islands and all that stuff. Uh, Chapter 2 is more of an industrial area, like England or something like that, and then the third level is an endgame. It's it's kind of its own, or third chapter is its its own thing, and it's cool, but it's all very story-heavy. So combat in this is pretty basic. The easiest thing to do is to throw things at enemies, but I don't think combat's where this game shines. Where this game really shines is exploration and just checking everything out because they have a really unique art style. It's sort of cell shaded, with three, you know, in three D. Uh, not as cell shaded as something like uh, The Wind Waker, but not as realistic as other games so it's it's really cool what they do with it so what really bogs this game down though like i mentioned before is there are 49 total side missions in the game and i would say at least half of them i did not enjoy to just despised playing them (laughs) about halfway through the game i just would see there's like oh three new side quests open up five new side quests open up and i would just groan because I, I hated going to do them. Most of them involve removing your gravity powers in some way, which is, you know, the main way you play the game. And it just was not good. There was ones where you, like, these missions too, like, not only were they not good, they were really long. So one of these was you had to help, you're going to be a stunt, stunt woman for this movie. So you had to go do these things. 
and it was like an eight part uh mission where you would do one then it would be another thing and another thing it ended up taking me like 20 25 minutes to do and it was just too long like i was so annoyed at that point that i i did not want to do it and then you know you you compound that by 49 and towards the end you're you're just dreading playing those because they're not fun i i do give the creators props that they tried to create each of these as individualized storylines which is cool but when the main mechanic of playing that story is not fun i don't care about the story at that point so i think they either should have put something like 20 25 side missions in the game or they should have really cut down the you know part a part b part c things and should it should have just been three max of everything like in every other game where three is the magical number like i don't need to do it six times yeah it sounds like a real like a i guess a balancing problem at in some points it it, it also sounds like they just didn't know when to quit yeah, I don't know if like they wanted to pad the game or what, but I played the game for like fifty hours. They they could have taken out ten hours of side <laughs> missions. I would have still been fine. Like it took me a, a long time to platinum the game. And then my other thing was I had mentioned this I think last week. You need eighty thousand gems, which is this game's currency, to power up. I had completed like all the challenge missions and all the main missions and all the side missions, and I had forty thousand gems. <laughs> I had to just go find a mission where I could basically collect 900 gems in uh, about a minute, save the game, and reload. And I just did that for like two hours one night, which I just don't understand the pacing on this. Why could th- Either you should have had when enemies die, they drop gems, or you should have lowered the amount, of, uh, the amount that your powers cost because at the end game... I was not that powered up, you know, like I had maybe half the amount of power. So you could either really focus on one like I did and have nothing in the other powers or you have one or two low level things in each power. So I I just did not understand the pacing of that. Um, So those are my two biggest complaints with the game. Um, But I will say why why i did really like this game is the characters in it are generally pretty awesome i started caring about them it's interesting they don't actually have a language for this game it's some fictitious language that kind of sounds like french <laughs> so everything's subtitled but they do this pretty cool like comic style cutscenes. um i really enjoyed the music in it and it's and at the end of the day moving around the world was so much fun unless they put you in like a cramped corridor space but when you had the wide open area it was really fun to just explore the cities if i had to rate this game i would probably give it a b minus it's not a bad game especially if you're just checking out for the main story and a couple side missions you probably will complete this game in like 20 hours or something like that and like I was saying, the movement's so awesome. Uh, so if you see this on sale, I highly suggest people check it out. I, I've seen it go as low as I think like $8 on a PSN sale, and I think that's a steal for this game. It's it's pretty awesome, but if you're going for the Platinum, just be aware that it's not as good when you have to grind everything in it, and then you also have to keep your eyes open for a couple trophies that are like randomly appear in what's called mining sites in this game i forgot to mention that's what else is in this game is you can just go mine those ores but it's the gems but it's not a very fast process there's just so much going on in this game it's crazy to me uh, that that it that it exists
All right, now in our weekly news, there has been a little bit of Oscar controversy coming from Steven Spielberg and a few others relating to him wanting to change the categories to basically freeze out Netflix. Uh, Christian, have you heard about this? I sure did. So what is this controversy? So a couple of directors, I know it was Spielberg and Scorsese, are basically trying to say that a movie needs to have a minimum, I think, four or five week theatrical release in order to be eligible for the Academy Awards. Do they have a legitimate justification for this or does it just is it just people being salty? I think it's just people being salty. I haven't read anything online that that has led me to believe that there's any real justification for this other than we don't like that Netflix is winning awards. Which doesn't make sense to me. Like, there's nothing precluding Spielberg from going and getting Netflix funding. Like, it just, it makes it seem like it's the establishment disliking that people, that Netflix is possibly taking people from seeing their movie. Yeah. So one thing I did read is that, uh, it's possible that Green Book won Best Picture because of the people voting for the Oscars decided to penalize Roma because it was a Netflix movie and didn't like follow the rules when it comes to a normal theatrical release. And that's, you know, that's insane because you should base it on the merit of the movie. And if you don't do this, it's a thing. It's like not a governmental body. It's a, who, you know, whoever is joins it. So there's no one really saying, you know, enforcing their rules but that's kind of BS. Yeah, I mean, a, a movie's a movie. It costs a lot of money to get a theatrical release, especially a wide theatrical release, which is why a lot of movies don't do it. And to to force, like the, and I, not to say that they're the best, but to force like the the highest, um, highest regarded award ceremony to only favor the ones that have enough money to do that is kind of ridiculous. There are a lot of like little movies that just will never, they'll never be recognized ever if this is the case. And a lot of the movies that do win best picture, best director, some of these most, some of these highest awards are very limited releases in and of themselves. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago when we were talking uh, Oscars that the theater I work at generally misses about 50 to 60% of the best movie nominees because they're limited markets. They only get released in New York, Washington, Chicago, LA. And so this is only kind of one step below that. If you're going to say that movies should only be nominated if they've had five-week theatrical releases, then why not say that they should only be nominated if they've had wide theatrical releases? Shape of Water didn't get a wide theatrical release until after it, it won, started winning awards. It didn't get it until after the Oscars were over at our theater. So, and and it won Best Picture that year. So, I, I feel like this is really just trying to, to shackle what movies should be allowed just for the sake of holding up the status quo of you know this is the way we've always made movies we don't like that that is changing now 
Yeah, and then, you know, you're mentioning limited releases. I imagine you're talking about, like, the big categories. Like, what's if you start implementing that, what happens to basically documentaries and everything below that, like live shorts, those kind of things? I mean, most of those do not get any real release. Like, they're in a couple theaters, I guess, around the country, but for the most part, no one's playing five-minute animations. Yeah, this is it this really seems to me like it's a bunch of older directors who have who decided that they don't like that the industry is changing. Yeah, I mean, I actually really like Netflix's response which is basically like you know, uh we respect your opinion but we're just giving people the you know, more of an option and kind of like back off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't liked the Spielberg movie in quite a while either, so <laughs> he does not hold much sway with me right now. Yeah, I I read this yesterday, and I I had kind of like a uh, like a a gut reaction to it as like even even before I read it, I was like, "This is nonsense," and then I I dove into the articles a little more, and I, when I came back out, it was like, "Yeah, I was right. This is nonsense." I mean, it just seems like there's a disconnect from Hollywood, and you always hear this in politics. There's the Hollywood elite; they're just they're disconnected from what's happening in the real world, you know. And I usually take with, with what that said with with a grain of salt, but in this instance, I really feel like they are, like they live a little bit in a bubble and they want things their way, and they don't care about how I think most normal Americans consume movies now, and that's through Netflix, you know, it's through streaming. Movies are pretty expensive. I mean, I went to them a lot when I had movie pass, but as soon as I lost it, I've been to like four movies in the past half a year. <laughs> and, you know, I make I'm I make enough where like I'm not struggling. I can't imagine someone who's struggling is going to the movies that often. Yeah. Like we have regulars who are there all the time and I don't I don't know how they afford it, but <laughs> I I watch everything cuz I can do it for free. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> one thing I have liked in, in the, the last, like I said, I, I only, I'm, I'm not sure exactly when this started. I only picked up on it in the last 24 hours, but I have liked that a lot of the, the people who make the movies, like the, the writers and even some of the actors have come out and been like, no, we, we don't agree with this. Like let people make their movies and reward them on the merits. I, I have, I, I do like when the, the people who have the voice come out against this kind of stuff, like the, especially when the actors and the more famous writers start talking about it. Cause that's how the, uh, we'll give some awards out during the commercials thing got overturned was when the, some of the larger voices in the industry started saying, no, 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 no. Yeah. And I mean, you know, these couple people don't speak for the whole industry too it's like you're saying like there's a lot of people involved in making movies but i guess i could maybe see their argument if netflix was just like releasing really low quality movies and they were getting the nod for whatever reason but netflix movies sure some of them aren't great but the ones that have been nominated are you know probably from at least the ones i've seen i haven't seen rome or anything but they're technically well-made movies. They're not just B-rate movies getting thrown out there. Yeah, exactly. And they they have big names attached to them. Like th think of, I, I can think off the top of my head of ten or fifteen like major Hollywood people who were involved with Netflix movies, 
and not all of them got nods at the Academy Awards, but I mean, Alfonso Cuaron is a, a famous director, he directed all sorts of stuff. Children of Men, he did one of the Harry Potter movies. Um, mm-hmm. Ballad of Buster Scruggs was nominated this year, and that's by the Coen brothers. So it's not like these are just random people. And I mean, once again, even if they were, if it's on the merits, who cares who they are? But they're not. Like, even if they're not just like up and comers who are throwing, like you said, like low money movies together and hoping for the best, like these are like big industry hitters that are teaming up with Netflix on, and these other publications because they believe in, well, because they have faith in the service, at least to drive the market, if nothing else. And they're making good movies. Yeah. And the thing is, I think why people like to go with Netflix, number one, they're spending money. They're not afraid to. And number two, it seems like they have a lot more creative control and they can push what they want without a big studio where Netflix is more willing to take a chance on some of these movies. I, I watched Buster Scruggs. I could not see a studio actually backing that movie <laughs> for a theatrical release, Christian, because it's like a fine movie, but it's pretty long. It's a little slow in points. But, you know, like Netflix is like, whatever. I, we like the idea. You go with it. And I bet if that had been a full theatrical release, uh, maybe not with the Coen brothers because they have some pedigree there. They would have had a little more leeway, but I still don't know if it gets made in the way they want it uh, if they go with a major producer. Yep. And it was nominated for like three Academy Awards, so they knew what they were doing. In other quick movie news, they have actually just today released images of what Sonic the Hedgehog will look like in his live-action movie. And we had briefly talked about this before when they released the Terminator-style like outline of Sonic. And now there is a picture to it. And I gotta say, Christian, it still looks really freaky. Yeah, he's terrifying. He is like an anatomically correct for his body, but Sonic the Hedgehog has the body of a human and then a giant head with spike like hedgehog spikes coming out of it. I just again, I don't want to get into it cuz we really trashed him before. I don't know who this movie's for and I do not <laughs> know who okayed the design of this character. Yeah, he looks like a nightmare. I I I'm looking at it right now and I can't I can't make heads or tails of what they're going for. It's like they they didn't want to make a cartoon but they there's literally no way to make Sonic the Hedgehog look real live action and so they just shot directly for the middle. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could see this character design if Sonic was not an established, you know, character who's existed for over 20 years at this point and he does not look as worse i guess from the front view but when you see him to the side or the running pictures of him <laughs> it's just so weird especially because everyone has a conception of what sonic the hedgehog should look like or at least the people seeing this movie will have a conception of what he should look like it's not this it, this really looks like someone doing like in a sonic suit being a mascot where they just have their body and then put a giant mascot head on them. That's exactly what it looks like. Which is, it, it does not look, <laughs> it does not look like it should be in a movie. No, it looks wrong in a, a, like a bunch of different ways. 
Well, I mean, we'll see what it's like. I'm pretty sure the voice of Sonic is Ben Schwartz, who is uh, Jean Ralphio on Parks and Rec, who I, I really like in everything he's in. So I'm like 100% sure I'm going to watch this movie. It looks so bizarre. Yeah, I'm really curious if he's going to be with other humans, because if so, is he just going to be their size, or is he going to be... I don't know what the technical word is. I, I don't think it's dwarf, but the like a human who is anatomically the same, but just really small. Like, is that what he's going to be? Or is he going to be, you know, five foot, five feet tall? Oh God. I hadn't even considered the proportions. I hope he's not human sized, but I, I mean, I don't know which would be worse. Honestly, he would look so weird if he was just that, but you know, two feet tall standing next to someone. I, I just don't know they're going with on this yeah, there's there's no good option for size so this past week the playstation plus lineup of free games has been released and so have the xbox games with gold so for playstation plus this month we have call of duty um sorry we have call of duty modern warfare remaster it is released on march 5th and then also the witness uh, christian have you had any experience with either of these games none at all I've not played Call of Duty, but it's supposed to be a pretty good one. There's no online trophies associated with it, I looked at. And The Witness, it was hugely popular. I think it came out in either 2016 or 2017. It was a computer game first. My wife actually played it and really liked it. It's one of those games that I, I never played. It's a puzzle game dealing with a lot of mazes and stuff, or solving maze-like puzzles. Uh, so I never got into it, but she liked it, and it's supposed to be really good. It's by the it's by Jonathan Blow, the guy who did Braid, if you have ever heard of that. But it, it was very well received, and some people were putting it as their game of the year. Okay, so that's pretty cool that it's out. I would not have remembered that it was called The Witness until you just said about it being like the puzzle game. I do remember seeing this when it was released for something else a while back, and I really wanted to play it, and I couldn't find. Like I thought it was an app at first, and I like I, I just couldn't find it. But if this is coming to the PS4, I'm probably gonna scoop this up because it looked cool. Yeah, it's probably of PlayStation Plus lineups. Uh, you know, based on general ratings or Metacritic ratings, it's probably one of the best games they've released critically, except for Bloodborne. So uh, I'm pretty excited that it's out. Nice. Uh, so for Xbox Games with Gold, they are releasing Adventure Time, Pirates of the Enchiridion for between March 1st and 31st. There is also Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2 being released March 16th and ending March 31st. Uh, you can get Metal Gear Rising Revengeance for the Xbox 360 for between March 16th and March 31st. And then for the Xbox release, they have Star Wars Republic Commando. So of these ones, I know you maybe don't have as much of an opinion since you don't have an Xbox, but I'm really excited to get Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2. <laughs> I've heard some really good things about it that it's surprisingly fun, and it's just like a good pick-up-and-play game where you don't have to commit hours to it. Yeah, I could see that. All right, guys. Now it's time for the Amazon review game. A quick recap for the rules. Christian is going to read me a five-star Amazon review of a movie. I will then get to yes or no questions, and then I can either guess the movie or I can ask Christian to read me another review. I get to more yes or no questions. I can guess or get a third review. 
And then I get two more yes or no questions, and I have to guess. And we're keeping score this year. You get three points if you get it on the first review, two points on the second, and one point for the third. I am ready whenever you are, Christian. All right. This first review is called Don't Get Carried Away with Accuracy. I don't have an in-depth grasp of this character, so I can't comment on the accuracy of the translation. As a standalone movie, I think it's fabulous. I like anti-heroes and ones that have the edgy stuff too. I like that they have the confidence to set up a franchise in the first movie. Usually pioneering movies end in a completed way. If the movie is a success and they can open up a franchise and we get them in a relatively cooperative state going on to meet villains in the future. There will always be backlash from fundamentalist fans, but it shouldn't stand in the way of possibilities. Is this a superhero movie? Sorry, let me rephrase. Is this a comic book movie? Yes. A movie based on a comic book. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Was this movie, did this movie actually get sequels? Did it what? I'm sorry. Did this movie actually get a sequel? Mm, no. A direct sequel. Okay. Um, Not yet, anyway. Okay. So it's not Deadpool. Um, you're giving me something here. It's an anti-hero with a setup of their first movie. I'm going to need a second review. Okay. I've been a huge fan of this character since the 90s and been waiting for a good live-action adaptation of him ever since, and it's about time. The film doesn't hold back. It hits fast and hard with top-notch action and effects capturing all the visceral and chaotic energy of the comic book. He's a standout among anti-heroes, part Lovecraftian nightmare abomination, part twisted mad, mad genius. Don't let the critics fool you. They don't like comic book characters to start with, and their minds are blown and burnt out on the runaway success of the MCU. This is some of their best material, free of social commentary, reveling in its own existence. Is this based on a DC comic series? No. I'm trying to think of like big comic book ones, but that was uh, that was Watchmen, and also they do have political commentary in the Watchmen. <laughs> that was so much. <laughs> oh yeah, it's not also not well done. <laughs> this is, I'm I'm mad at myself for not getting this. I can't even think of. I'm leaning towards it's probably not MCU, but Marvel comics based on people talking about the MCU universe. Is this based on like a indie comic? No. Oh man, it might be the MCU. So '90s character, no sequels right now, so it can't be Blade. I want either review Christian. All right. I keep checking daily for this to become available to buy since all I heard was good things from my friends and they were right. Mind blown. Love the story, the concept, and the detailed flow of the outline. The interesting context to the incredible special effects are top-notch. The humor is delightful, darkly delightful. I don't know who does the voice of the creature, but the delivery is perfection. This is a watch over and over again movie. So glad it finally became available. This was the one I was salivating for and not disappointed. Ten stars. 
Oh, is this Venom? It is Venom. Oh, I, I saw that too this year. I forgot it got released. <laughs> I was thinking like maybe Spawn. <laughs> they give me a clue too. He's, he was a 90s guy. Oh, good one. <laughs> All right. I wasn't sure if you were going to get it. I was I was hanging on edge there. I, I, if I, you said the, the thing about the voice from the creature and that's what gave it to me, but I was like racking my brain. I was like, all right, it's something with the creature. And I was like, okay, like did spawn have that? Like trying to go through what would have had that. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. You asked about a sequel and I, I'm pretty sure there's one in the works, but I couldn't remember if it had been confirmed or not. I mean, it certainly hasn't been made. Yeah. I'm not sure either. All right, guys, thanks for checking out our episode. Before we leave, Christian, what are you checking out this week? Well, the big one is going to be Captain Marvel. It comes out Thursday night. I'm probably going to have to quality check it on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, so I, I might be able to see it as soon as tomorrow night. We'll see. Um, Disney and Marvel gets a little stingy with that sometimes, so maybe not. But I'll definitely have I've seen it before our next episode. Uh, other than that... Ooh. I'm, I got a little burned out on Kingdom Hearts 3. I've been trying to 100% it, but I'm in, I'm in a point now where it's just everything is a grind. So I'm probably going to switch to Spider-Man or to Horizon Zero Dawn this week and, and start one of those up. Cool. Spider-Man is really, really fun. <laughs> I mean, both, they're both really fun, but Spider-Man is fun to move around in. So this week I am going to be finishing up the Order 1886, I started that on maybe Friday, and I am probably going to either complete the game tonight or tomorrow night. I only have two chapters left. It's been surprisingly fun. Uh, sort of panned when it came out because it is, it is a pretty short game, but I'll, I'll talk more about it. I, I have been enjoying it. I saw recently that Ant-Man and the Wasp is on Netflix, and that is the only... Sorry, Ant-Man... Yeah. That's the only MCU movie I have not seen yet. So I'm going to try and check that out this week. I like Otherwise, it. I start... Yeah, see, I, I surprisingly love the first Ant-Man, and I thought I was going to hate it, so I, I do really want to see that oh, one. Then you'll definitely like this one. That's the, the, the people I watch it with didn't really care for it, this one, but that's because they didn't really like the first one. I think this one, it's it's like the first one, but more. It's It's good. Yeah, see, well, the first one was like, kind of for Guardians of the Galaxy two. I didn't, I did not think it would turn out well. I'm not a huge Paul Rudd fan, but I really liked him in the first Ant Man, so I'm surprised that, it, like, that came out right around the time when my movie pass was cracking out on me. So, <laughs> I had not got in the mindset of paying for movies again, <laughs> so I missed it. So hopefully, check that out. And then I started a new TV show called Person of Interest, and I'm about halfway through the first season. I, I don't know if I'll talk about it because it seems like sort of a procedural show, but it's been pretty fun to watch so far. I started Umbrella Academy last night. Oh, I was thinking about that, but it looked like it was too serious for something I was looking for. How uh, is it any good? It's weird. It is a little serious. There there aren't many like light and funny moments. It's uh. It's a little depressing in parts. I fell asleep watching it last night, so I have to figure out where I was and go back and start up again. But it's it's not bad. It's interesting. Oh, cool. Um, anything else you want to say you're watching? No, I don't think so. I just kind of forgot about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, guys, thanks for listening. If you want to reach us or give us a suggestion for our Amazon review game, you can contact us through email. We are we're gambots.blog at gmail.com, or you can reach us through Twitter. We're at Gambots Network. All right, guys, thanks for uh, checking in. Thank you.